Welcome to Tulsa Bible Church's brand new podcast called Hidden God, where we explore issues of theology and culture in order to help build healthy, relevant churches right here in the Tulsa area and in the States. I'm joined by Daniel Newberry. He's my co-host. My name is Jared Verweel, and this is Hidden God. Hey, welcome back to Hidden God. This is Daniel Newberry, and I am joined by the one, the only, Mr. Pastor Jared Verweel. Jared, is Jared short for anything? Well, I, I prefer the man, the myth, and the legend. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. So let's let's start over again. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> no, it's uh, not. Man, you can't really do anything cool with Jared. No, I was trying to think. Jaredithy, but it just didn't work out. Uh, no. Jaredith. Jaredith. Jareth. Yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't... We'll stick with Jared. Yeah. I call you J-Rod sometimes. J-Rod. People shorten mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I was J-Rock in college. Oh, that's cool. I don't know why. I can get down to that. Yeah. It sounds like a more like J-Rod. a basketball player, and I <laughs> really does, don't yeah. play basketball that well, so I Man, don't know. Someone should... Like, when you you play golf in college, every time you went up, someone just should have should have just announced your name, J-Rock. Oh, yeah. Get to... But I don't know what the words are. Yeah. <laughs> I don't watch golf. That's that's not golf. Okay. <laughs> Up to put, I don't know. If you make it to the big time, they'll like introduce you before you tee off on the first tee. Really? And sometimes they'll go like, hey, I'm, you know, Masters champion from 2008 and British Open champion, whatever. Nice. But that's about, that's about as far as you get in golf. Man. So. Well, I wouldn't expect much more, honestly. Yeah. Not. Not much of a golf guy. It's one of those deals. The mm. tournament this weekend was, last weekend was awesome. They played the cheap PGA Championship Yeah, out in San Francisco. It was it was awesome. Man, I didn't even know you kept up with golf. I didn't, I didn't know. Who's your golf guy? Like, who do you follow? When, when it's in the blood, it's in the blood. Um, <laughs> let's see. How, how much can we bore people today? <laughs> it's not as boring talking about golf as it is watching it. Just saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. That's my opinion. Hey, man. <laughs> Everybody is entitled sure. to what they want to say. Sure. Uh, Jason Day is a good international player. Okay. Love him. He's got an awesome swing. This guy that just won the PGA, I can't pronounce his name. He's a he's an American guy. Went to University of California, I believe. Hmm. Um, but he's got like a Japanese name. And man, his swing was just, it was, it was really fun to watch. Man. Watch him play. Um, I, you know, I like Tiger. Man, call me sentimental. I was about to ask. Yeah. Uh, you know, digging up the past a little bit. I don't know, but I, I just I would love to see him come back and, mm-hmm. and win some more majors. He's, he's just so so fun to watch. Tell me what was so amazing about Tiger. I mean, he's like one of these guys that just he he does things with the golf ball that other guys can't do. Hmm. He, even on the t- for you to get to the tour level and stand out among those guys, mm-hmm. it's unbelievable. But he brings the flair to the game. Brings a little drama, like he really gets into it. Um, and his, yeah, some of the shots he pulls off are just ridiculous. Man, it's like, where did that come from? Man, that's awesome. But he's no Happy Gilmore. No Happy Gilmore. No happy Gilmore. <laughs> yeah, you're looking more at uh, DeChambeau for something oh, okay. like that now. <laughs> this guy, this n- new guy came out. Another. I know you're like totally... <laughs> enthralled with this conversation right now i don't even know who you're talking about man this guy came out this year and he's pretty good last couple of years on tour won, okay. won some events younger guy and he came back like just looking jacked like muscle wise 
like, is he hitting the steroids? <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. But it's, his head's a lot bigger, oh which gosh. is a telltale sign of like Jose Canseco, Mark McGuire, oh, wow. Sammy Sosa. Like, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> which um, 30 for 30 ESPN had a great show on Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, the race to the 60. Really? That was awesome. I was talking to Kirk about it. Man, I did not know. I don't even know who those people are. So, man. It's base. I'm going base. I'm jumping golf to baseball. I'm serious. I've never even heard of them. Kirk's looking at me. I, I look. Hey, I, I swear I know baseball, but I've never heard of these guys. I'm that, gonna have to look this up. That's not important, man. Nah, it's okay. Just get out from the rock that you're living underneath uh, yeah, someday. That's right. Tune into ESPN. <laughs> watch a little Thirty for Thirty. ESPN. I don't even know. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm burying myself, man. I'm digging a hole. It's all good. It's all I'm good. Digging a hole. Well, today we are continuing our discussion as we dialogue C.S. Lewis. Yes, we've mere been Christianity, mere man. Christianity. One of my favorites. Been a while. Took uh, took a week off for vacation this summer. Yes, that was good. Did a little staycation at the Verwheel House, and then we had the youth retreat last week. That's so fun. yeah, back in the action this week. So has it been two weeks since we've done this? I think so. Oh man, I thought we just took one week off. And nobody said anything. No one said, and, and you know, that kind of gives you, that tells you something. <laughs> <laughs> I knew no one was listening to these. <laughs> yeah. Now it's been proven. Yeah, that's right. Well, I considered, I'd actually considered like you took that week off. I thought maybe I should do a solo podcast of just, just, just me. Man. I, I didn't know what I was going to say though. So I, I didn't, I figured. We call it Hidden Daniel Hidden for a week. Daniel for <laughs> We could just talk about Star Wars or something. You know, I wouldn't even, Man, wouldn't even get into the Bible. That would have man. been the most listened to episode. Oh, I should have done it. I knew it. You got to listen to your instincts, man. Okay, into this season, we're going bonus episode. Yeah, Hidden Daniel. Yeah, we could do we could do that with a couple guys. We could Hidden Casey. Hidden Casey. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, I, I like that. I would like to just. Never mind. That was gonna be weird. I was gonna say we should put a mic in his office, but I'm not. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's just getting creepy. It's all right, man. I like Casey too much. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, we're talking about C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. We are in chapters. Um, well, I don't know what they're numbered, but is Christianity hard or easy? And what's the second chapter called? Yeah, this is the last County section of uh, Mere Christianity. I think there's like four or five sections in okay. the in the book. Right. And counting the cost is the other chapter. Okay, introduces some really interesting topics, interesting ideas. A lot about. I think mean, C.S. Lewis is shifting now from the moral argument from the for the existence of God mm-hmm. to a lot of good chapters on gospel truth. You know mm-hmm. how is Christianity distinct? And right. At the end of this, he gets into Christian life principles. Right. It's really good. He covers things like marriage, uh, forgiveness in the Christian life. We talked about pride not too long ago. Just wrestling with sins and also just who we are in Christ because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross and, and learning that identity and to, to walk in it and to grow in it. Yeah, and, and I think that, you know, in like past chapters, he's definitely ended with, you know, like he started with these questions and he always ended with, here's the gospel. But now he's saying, because we have the gospel, here's how we should live, you know. Right. And so in this in this chapter, chapter uh, is Christianity hard or easy? That's exactly the question he asks, is Christianity hard or easy? And the question we have to ask ourselves is, what is Lewis really asking here? Because like we've said so many times before, this is not a systematic theology at all. This is him kind of conversing with the reader about what Christianity is, kind of logically going through it. So what is Lewis really asking here? And, and, you know, it's a point 
really good point to make. It doesn't read like a systematic theology, so let's not treat it yes. like a systematic theology. It's really important when you're reading mere Christianity. Um, but yeah, when he says, is Christianity hard or easy, a lot of people, I don't know if you've heard of this camp called the uh, um, Grace Evangelical Society. Mm-hmm. It's uh, It was out there. It was a, a movement that was a little bit big not too long ago when John MacArthur went back and forth with Zane Hodges. MacArthur wrote his book, The Gospel According to Jesus. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the second part was The Gospel According to the Disciples, I believe. Zane Hodges wrote Absolutely Free, and there was this big debate hmm. that went on in the church about, it was it was really grounded in Grace Evangelical Society, a guy named Bob Wilkin, that kind of went to the mat on this and became really militant about the gospel being of grace hmm. through faith plus nothing. And over and over again, what you would hear is the gospel's easy. You know, a child can understand it, mm-hmm. which is obviously true. Right. It doesn't cost us anything. It costs Jesus everything. Yeah. There's true elements to that as well. But what Lewis is talking about here is is not just the gospel message and in coming into faith, into the faith family of Christ, but the Christian life. Mm-hmm. Is the Christian life hard or easy? Right. And a lot of times we get that confused and um, it, it gets mixed up with faith, mm-hmm. faith being more of an easy kind of idea as the right. real topic versus works, which would be a little bit harder. That's not what Lewis is saying. Uh, what Lewis is saying here is um, a lot of us come to Christ on our own terms. Yeah. We want Jesus to transform one part of our life, our life, but not every part of our life. Right. Right. This is, this is the one thing that I need the most help with. God transform me here. Everything else, you know, it's just, yeah, I, I like where I'm at. Right. Yeah. I mean, and that's where, that's where Lewis gets at. As he says, you know, if you're going to, to ask God to come in and, and like change your life in any way whatsoever, he's most certainly going to address the sin issue or whatever issue it is that you see that needs to be changed. But he's going to address everything else that's wrong with you as well, and it's going to get super uncomfortable. Right. I think my favorite analogy that he gives is from George MacDonald, and he says, imagine that you're a living house, and God comes in, and he starts fixing things, and it's like, well, when he fixed the leaky faucet, I was expecting him to do that. That makes sense. But when he starts adding a west wing and repainting the walls, suddenly I feel more uncomfortable, and this is painful because I didn't know he was planning on making me into something completely different. Right, right. Yeah, we want like a a, a nice quaint cottage. Right. Out right. in the woods. And, and Lewis is like, no, God's in the business of making a, a palace. Exactly. You know, and, and he's going to do a lot of reconstruction, a lot of additions, a lot of demolition. Yeah. That's that's a lot of the hard part when he's got to take this, this stuff of self out of us, mm-hmm. even after we trust Christ and make us more and more into his image. Yeah. And, and that's where Lewis says, man, this is not easy. Mm-mm. This is very, very difficult. Absolutely. And, and so... The hard part most certainly is everything he's going to be doing to you. The hard part is letting go of control and handing everything over to him. The easy part is we really don't have to do anything at all. Right. You know, is that he's done it all on the cross. Our salvation is in his hands. It's unlike any other traditional religion. Um, And and, and every part of this, too, comes back to the gospel. Of course. You know, it's not... We trust Christ. We've got the gospel when we come into the Christian life, and then that's it. We move on. Mm-hmm. 
it's the same types of things. Even after you're a believer, if I can say this, there's areas of in all of our hearts and all of our lives that the gospel hasn't touched yet. Right. We might not know about it. Sin could be blind to us. There could be idols in our heart. And really, every time that the gospel goes to work, even for the believer, it is putting to death the self mm-hmm. and getting us more and more of Christ, which means letting go of the control over our lives, right? completely trusting, completely depending on God and God alone. It's the same way that we came into the faith is the same way we walk, uh, Colossians 2, 6. Yes. Just as you've received yes. the Lord Jesus, so walk in him. Mm. And it's just such an important distinction. We're not moving on from the gospel. Mm-hmm. We're growing deeper into the gospel. Right. Well, and then Lewis talks about the, this comparison of two statements, two very drastic statements that Jesus makes, the first of which is in Matthew 11, verse 28, and the second of which is in Mark 8, 34, right? In Matthew 11, he says, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. Man, come to me all who are weary and right. heavy laden. Yep. Exactly. But in Mark 8, 34, he says, you got to take up your cross daily. And what Lewis says is like, oh. and now you're expecting to be beaten every day as if you were in a concentration camp. Right, right. Which is, again, the walk of discipleship. Right. Um, Scott Susong was preaching here not too long ago, and he talked about the criminals that were heading for crucifixion. And he gave like a number of characteristics and traits about all of them. Hmm. One thing he said was that as they walked to their cross, they knew that they weren't coming back. Hmm. So every aspect of their old life was gone. Now they were going forward only to the cross, not looking back, just looking forward, death to self, alive in a, in a different manner. The other thing he talked about was, um, wow. yeah, the uh, the sacrificial aspect. You know, every single one of them was going to shed their blood. Everything, every single one of them was going to experience pain mm-hmm. and suffering. And so again, Christian life principle, like being a disciple, walking with God, we're going to experience pain yeah. in our life. And, oh, it's, yeah. and it's not because God is malicious or, um, you know, malevolent, wh- whatever you want to say. It's because he's a, he's a gracious, he's a good God. Yeah. He wants more of himself in us. Mm-hmm. He wants us to ref- look more and more like Christ, which is, it's, it's a process. It's just, it's tough, tough thing. Yeah. Well, and the, the pain comes from changing you from your old self, changing, he's chiseling away the old, disgusting, grotesque, sinful self. So in like, you know, Romans 6, we talk about being dead to sin, alive to Christ. That's the transformation of the sinner into the believer. But in 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about taking off the old tent and putting on the new one. That's a transformation of the believer to completion. And the process of going through that, trying to get to that ultimate sanctification is a painful process. Right, right. There's just a lot of uh, tendencies, Mm -hmm. traits in us. Mm -hmm. Sin is a, is a blood issue. Yeah. And these, these things that we have in our lives are generations sometimes old that we carry with us. And some of it even not, not even for our own fault, you know, just, we were born into a certain family because of that. We're triggered by certain tendencies, different things like that. And man, retraining yourself, learning your identity in Christ. Yeah. It's going to take a lot out of you and it's uh, at times a really painful process again. Um you know, and, and some really do. They want to come to Christ for some of his benefits of salvation, but mm-hmm. not for all mm-hmm. of his benefits. So 
you know, how do we, how do we wrestle with this? Right. Right. We are, we want to encourage people in the body of Christ. We want, we want them to grow. We want them to experience the new them. And mm-hmm. yet, you know, we got to realize that this is a holistic picture. You know, how, how do you, how do you take people that you're ministering to and say, this is not just something for a season, right? This is for, for the rest of your life. This is for all of you. Yeah. Well, and you know, like when I'm, I'm trying to communicate that same idea to the youth group. I, dude, my method is vulnerability and, and transparency. You know, I show them that I am constantly broken and I'm constantly being repaired. I have sins that I've been struggling with and dealing with and God has been working with for years. And I always go back to when, so different sins I've moved away from over time but I still may stumble and mess up from time to time. And when I do, I always come back to 1 John 1, 9, which says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When I read that, it absolutely floors me because like Bert, like um, Lewis is saying, the burden, while you know you got to take up your cross daily, the difficult part is handing over myself to him. But... The easy part is when I can't, when I'm unable to do that, he's still so quick to forgive and so quick to do his part of just, I say his part, you know what I mean? Just cleansing me of my unrighteousness. Right. God's work of transformation, it's it's him from start to finish. Exactly. You know, we can't be just completely passive. We have to be active and engaged. Uh, Hebrews 12, we'll talk about pursue holiness. That's a very active uh, verb right there, without which nobody will see the Lord. But it is. It, nobody's going to be able to look back and say, look what I've done for you. Exactly. God, it's, it's, we're all going to say in humility, God, thank you for mm-hmm. working on my heart mm-hmm. and doing the things for me that I couldn't do for myself. Exactly. And, and Lewis is just so good in his writing. Um, I want to read this paragraph in his uh, Christianity Harder Easy chapter. He says, the Christian way is different. You know, and, and by that, he means it's different than trying to be good. Um, it's different than trying to, you know, assert some kind of happiness that's not really there, some mm-hmm. kind of false pretense. So Christianity, the Christian way is different. It's harder and it's easier. So Christ says, give me all. Mm-hmm. I don't want so much of your time or so much of your money or so much of your work. I want you. I have not come to torment the natural self, but I've come to kill it. Oh. Man, that's so good. No half measures are any good. I don't want to cut off a branch here and a branch there. I want to have the whole tree down. I don't want to drill the tooth or crown it or stop it, but to have it out. Mm-hmm. Hand over the whole natural self, all the desires, which you think innocent as well as the ones that are wicked, the whole outfit. I will give you new self instead. In fact, I will give you myself and my own will shall become your will. It's amazing. man. It's amazing. And, and my favorite part in there is when he says, I don't want to torment your old self. I want to put it out. It's misery. I want to kill it. Mortification. You know, I want to completely destroy the old self. Yeah. And it's like, that's kind of scary. Yeah. Because the old self is all I've ever known. Okay? Right. <laughs> right. Right. But it's like, it's it's also, it's so, um, it's so hopeful. There's yeah. so much hope in that. The old self, which I know is disgusting, he's going to destroy it. Right. And even better, he's going to give me the new self. Yeah. And I love that one illustration, talking about the house illustration, the dentist illustration is, yes. is so great. You know, we go to the dentist and Lord help me. I haven't been to the dentist for 
a long time. I hope Quarantine. Joe Shoop's not, not listening to this <laughs> podcast episode. But man, I haven't been forever because I, I just can't stand to go to the dentist. I've got like these sore spots and oh, man. probably just rotting away in my mouth. <laughs> like, dude, just suck it up and go to the dentist. Come on, buddy. But I haven't gone. And if I did go, I'd, I'd still, I think I'd just be like, hey, don't touch any my whole mouth. Right. I, I've got this one spot. Right. You can touch that tooth, but nothing else. Like I'm paying you. Mm-hmm. Don't, yeah. Yeah. Don't touch anything else. But a good dentist, they're not gonna. They're not gonna do that. No. Right. A, a good dentist. Yeah. They're gonna fix the toothache, whatever it takes. Maybe, maybe pull a tooth or what, whatever it might need, a filling, a cavity. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But then they're gonna look at the rest of your mouth. Yeah. And they're gonna start to go to work on a plan to make everything healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's one bad spot, it's just, it's kind of like sin, you know, where, um, where there's a little leaven, mm-hmm. it'll spread through the whole lump of dough. It's God, God has to, when he works on the little things, he's got to stop that spread and he's going to, because of his goodness and his grace to us, make us totally perfect, totally complete. Right. And that would, that would be what, what, the, what a good God would do. You know, he's completely just. And the, the hard part, is that we want to continue to have control over the situation. We don't really want to let go of the old self entirely. We like parts of it, you know, we enjoy parts of it. And I think even in that paragraph, which you just read, he said, even give me the parts that you think are innocent Yeah. because it's not as innocent as me. Yeah. You know, it's not as as precious and innocent as the blood of Christ. Right. Um, An old Testament example of this, we're, we're going through the books of Samuel in the youth group right now. And, you know, What's amazing to me, this is this stood out to me as we're reading through Samuel, is that every other book up until Samuel, ever since we've had Moses come into the picture and God's been using him, we've had amazing leaders of the faith, right? And then even in the book of Judges, the Israelites start off by going to God and, and asking for help now that Joshua's dead, you know? Right. Um, but the book of Samuel starts off completely differently. The first person you're introduced to is this character named Elkanah. Right. And Elkanah is on his way to Shiloh, to sacrifice to God. And on the way to Shiloh, he takes his two wives with him. And so the very first person we're introduced to is someone who wants to have this relationship of sacrificing to God, but also live his life in complete sin of having two wives. Right. Right. He wants to have it both ways. And this is like such a perfect representation of Israel at the time, is that they want to have it both ways. I want to continue living my sin and just do the rudimentary, legalistic, sacrificial things that are expected of me and nothing more. Yeah. Right. We want to have it both ways. But in Samuel chapter seven, God says, God uh, says, if you really want to come back to the Lord, you have to come back with all of your heart and you got to let go of everything you're holding on to. Right. And that's exactly what Lewis is getting at here. You either let go of it all or it's all going to consume you. Yeah. Yeah. And Saul being the next perfect example, like here's a guy who was obedient to the Lord in many aspects of his life, but there Mm -hmm. was that one thing that he couldn't let go of. Yes. And I think really what theology or what Lewis is doing in, the, in these chapters, what we're talking about is a theology of the heart. Yeah. You know, this is what it means to get to the whole self, mm-hmm. every aspect of you. Actually, there's a really good um, offering in the Old Testament too. In the book of Leviticus, you start out with there's like five um, basic basic offerings for Israel's worship and their, in their rituals. And the first, the very first offering they talk about is the whole burnt offering. Hmm. And what makes the whole burnt offering unique from the other four is that there's like a peace offering, a fellowship offering, a sin offering, a guilt offering. 
the whole burnt offering is distinct in that every piece of it is burned on the altar. Wow. The only thing that's reserved is the skin, hmm. the skin of the animal, but everything else goes up. All the other offerings, there's pieces that the priests will partake of, that the worshiper himself will partake of. There's different segments. You know, you segment the animal and put this on the altar, put this somewhere else, all hmm. that kind of stuff. But I think this reflects that whole burnt offering. Yeah. You know, not holding anything back. Right. Uh, for Christ and our sacrifice to him. Yeah. And, and we have to, we have to give it all. Or else Lewis says two things will likely happen. Yeah. What are those two things? Man, either we will eventually give up trying to be good or we will become very unhappy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. In, in both situations. And, I think almost every Christian at some point in their walk experiences this. Yeah. I, I, I truly do. It's so easy to come and to understand the gospel, mm-hmm. but we always have this tendency to turn from the truth of the gospel to us doing something. Yeah. You know, we want to be the one that's doing more good works. Right. Or better good works. Right. Than the next guy. But man, if, if you are trying to be good mm-hmm. in and of yourself... You will, you'll never be good enough. Mm-hmm. Like when is the time that you say, "Oh yeah, that was good enough. I did, I did a good work." Right? Never, never. <laughs> the, yeah, the self is never ultimately satisfied. Exactly. And sometimes I really want all there to be is good works because I think I can manage that. You know, right. and if I if I can man, I think I can control that. You know, and then I can have my own way as well. But that's usually whenever I'm I'm desiring that is when God intervenes and things go pretty hard but yeah yeah (laughs) well and it's it's rough you know and i mean let's let's be honest like you see so many people in the church and you know it's not for us to judge the heart like we can't humanly speaking but a lot of times we see people smiling and and doing all these good things Mm -hmm. and at the end of the day like are you truly happy right are you content with your relationship with god or are are all the good things that you're doing only driving you to a heavier, heavier weight of religion. Right. Coming at it at a different angle. And, and honestly, I think that's one of those those aspects where all Christians almost need to be reconverted mm. in their Christian life mm-hmm. to understand that, man, this is, this is of Christ. It is not of us. If you have the wrong motivations, the desires behind those things, yeah. you're going to get so worn out. Talk about weary and heavy laden. Oh, man, my gosh. You are the one carrying God instead of God being the one that's ultimately carrying you. Right. And at that point, you're carrying your own fake God. <laughs> exactly. You know? It's a, it's an idol. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And so we get to this last point, which is that God wants all of us. He wants total surrender, not partial surrender. He doesn't want you to hold on to anything. He wants you to let go and just give him yourself entirely. He wants everything about you. He won't settle for anything less. The whole self, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. So what does this tell us? What does this mean about transformation? A lot of things. Um, first of all, transformation has to go deeper than surface level. Yeah. It's, you've got to get to the heart. Yeah. Same things you're talking about for Samuel, Saul, Elkanah. If, if transformation, if change doesn't land on the heart, mm-hmm. it's not going to last. It's just going to be cosmetic, right. temporary, and, and it's, it's not true change right. because of the gospel. Absolutely. So when when God transforms the heart, transforms Christians, he goes deeper mm-hmm. than just the surface level. He goes to the depths of the heart. Yeah. And that transformation process starts 
whenever you, you at the conversion, and then it continues to be a working process all throughout your Christian life. All the way through. All the way through. And so then what does this mean about God's pursuit? This And this is great, but again, <laughs> horrific in many <laughs> right. ways. Right. God is never going to stop his work on us. He's, his work of transforming and purifying us for himself mm-hmm. is a continual process from the day we are converted until the day we die. Mm-hmm. When we're with him in glory, we are done with the presence of sin. We are perfect at that time. In many ways, we're made perfect when we believe, mm-hmm. uh, but we're still growing in that perfection. It's a, it's, you know, we're redeemed, yet we're in the process of being redeemed. Yeah. We're perfect, but we're in the process of growing to perfection. And, and God is not going to, he's not going to let anything that he does not come to completion right? because of our sinful nature, because of our humanity, actually death for the Christian becomes the final aspect of God taking all of the fleshly nature, all the sin nature out of us and purifying for himself wholly, totally, and completely the, the people that God created us to be. And, and death becomes a, a great hope in that. Which is so ironic. Exactly. But this is a point, this is a truth that really needs to be fleshed out right from the start of, of the gospel being presented to anyone for the very first time. When someone comes to the faith, I mean, this is why we have so many people who, um, we've talked about this before, teenagers who come to the faith and then they just drop out when they go to college. Right. Because suddenly oh my gosh, this isn't easy like everyone said it was going to be. Apparently, this isn't just some decision I make and then that's all there is to it. I mean, yes, that's how salvation works, but it's hard because God expects he has more planned for you. Yeah. And this is something that should be more upfront. Yeah. Yeah, and I like to I like I like to do this through baptism. You know, cuz we get a lot of mm. kids that want to be baptized. Yeah. So, okay, before you take this step, let's let's talk about this a little bit. Let's let's talk about you fighting sin. Let's talk about your identity in Christ. Oh, are are wow. you really in for what God is intending to do through you? He who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion, hmm. right, through Christ Jesus. So yeah, what would you say to uh, one of your youth kids? Hey, Daniel, man, I think I'd really like to be baptized. You know, what, what does that conversation look like? Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> this is a this is a good question for me to ask myself. We could, uh, you know, we could hold them down. Yeah. In the water, just take them straight to glory. <laughs> you know. Are you sure you want this? Yeah. You know. <laughs> and you're going to be buried with him in death. You know. This is literally. This is literally. <laughs> That's hilarious. Mm. Okay. So then, last question. Yeah. What can we expect then for the rest? of our earthly lives. I think we can expect a step-by-step, I like Paul's illustration of calling the Christian life a walk. Mm-hmm. One step at a time, one minute at a time, one day at a time, getting closer and closer to Christ as he purifies us mm-hmm. for his glory through a very difficult process of elimination of death to self mm-hmm. and life to Christ through, through that surrender. I would add, I think that's you know, absolutely right. And I would add on to that consistent humility. You will be constantly humbled throughout this walk because our natural self, which we still hold on to, like Paul says in Second Corinthians, we want to take it off. We can't wait to put on the heavenly self, but until then we still have the natural self and it sees everything that God is doing in us. And we, we tend to attribute that to ourselves. Right. And we say, I'm doing 
pretty darn good at being a Christian. Right. And and God's going to remind you, no, you're not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm the one who's, who's doing the good work, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, be prepared for con- consistent humility. Yeah, yeah. And the, and the humility should sound a certain way. Yeah. The longer you walk with Christ, the longer you walk with the Lord, um, the more you realize how much of yourself still needs to die. Mm-hmm how Ooh, yeah. how filthy you really are yeah. your sin really is and how much you absolutely depend on him every single day yeah you know yes you should be progressing there should be a purification in your life you know you should be more holy mm-hmm. uh, for instance than you were when you first trusted Christ mm-hmm. but in the process of doing that i mean take the the humility to look back and just say there is still so much work yeah that my heart needs that i can't do for myself yeah, and, and I'm just trusting and walking with the Lord daily. Marriage <laughs> is a good illustration, right? Yes, yes, man. It's like, yeah, we we walk, um, we get to know more about how selfish we are. Yeah, when we get married. Yeah, that's you get to truth. know how selfish you are when you have a kid, <laughs> when you have two kids. Like, I mean, it's just this process of of eliminating the the selfish desires that we have and and right. I think that's I think that's why God designed it that way. Yeah. You know, it puts us into these situations where we got to come to the end of ourselves. Sure. And and go on with Christ. Well, and that's like what Lewis was saying earlier in the chapter, which is that, you know, you ask God to come in to fix one thing, to take care of one issue in your life, and he's going to work on all the other issues that you're not paying attention to. Right. And that's when they're going to come to light, you know. I mean, when I was in high school, my whole life revolved around the day I was going to graduate. And I don't really know what I thought was going to happen after that. You know, there was like this dream that I would go off to college and, and right. become somebody someday. You know, that seemed kind of like a fantasy. I thought maybe Christ will come back before I graduate, or maybe right. my life will just end there. I don't really know what I was thinking. And then I graduated, and there's so much more to life now, you know? Hmm. And I think it's kind of the same thing as to what you're saying. You know, you get past one thing, and then all of a sudden, there's so many other things that God's going to be working on in your life, yeah. and you're just going to continuously find that. Yeah. And it seems daunting that that's going to go on until the day you die. <laughs> Man. Well, and it's a great case to make for walking side by side mm-hmm. with other believers. Right. You know, you you could come to me, I could come to you and just be like, Daniel, man, I'm really struggling with this sin. Yeah. Like, can you pray for me? Just want to be open and honest about it. Confess to God, ultimately through brother. Mm. Um and the, the first thing, you know, I hope that somebody would say is, is put the arm around you and just say, man, welcome to the battle. Yeah. Wel- welcome to the fight. This is hard. I'm here for you and I'm here with you. Right. No matter what it takes, because I myself have the same struggles, you know, and just because, you know, somebody struggles with, say, a, a alcohol addiction versus a loose tongue and saying words that they shouldn't be saying. We'd say that alcohol addiction is so much worse, but I mean, is it really right? You know, I mean, let's just, let's just call it what it is. They're all heart issues. Yeah, exactly. All of our hearts need to be redeemed and made, made new through this uh, sanctification process that God, God puts us through. Thank God that we're not in charge of that process. My goodness. (laughs) I, uh, I wouldn't even know where to begin. And I probably call it, Call it good too soon. Unbelievable. This is the, the wisdom of God. Yeah. Folly to man, the folly of man, wisdom to God. Yeah. He's, his ways are so far above our ways, and the mind of Christ is amazing things. So, absolutely. Man, it's uh, it, it's humbling just to talk about these things. And, yeah. you know, one of the things I hope is that 
we can all walk away and just see our, our need for gospel truth mm-hmm. in our hearts. And, and let's level the playing field. Let's the ground is level at the foot of the cross, mm-hmm. man, no matter who we are, no matter what we're struggling with, all, all sin comes down to the heart and, and we need community. We need brothers and sisters in Christ to, to walk us through this thing. Uh, and that makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. You know, that, that community will absolutely make a huge difference. It does. And I'm so glad that we're, we're through quarantine. We can, Man. I mean, sort of, you know, we're at least able to get back together to a certain yeah. degree and, and have that community again. No, no doubt about it. So, so you're drinking Mountain Dew over there? Oh, dude, you shouldn't have mentioned anything. I'm not supposed to be drinking Mountain Dew. Rachel. Uh, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Rachel, if you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> allow me to explain myself. <laughs> it's been a long day, okay? <laughs> Needed to pick me up. Man. <laughs> forgive forgive uh, me for nah, I have sinned. She's understanding. Yeah. <laughs> I, I Actually, my like prefer, if I drink a, um, a soda, uh-huh. my preferred is Mountain Dew. Really? Yeah, I, I just it tastes it tastes great for me Man, for some reason. Doctor Pepper is always my go-to. Yeah. Um, although I can be kind of picky about it because of all the sodas that can be mixed incorrectly at any restaurant or wherever you go, Doctor Pepper is the one that is most likely to be mixed in, mixed incorrectly. I think it has something to do with those twenty-three flavors. However, Mountain Dew is the second as far as my favorites go. Yeah. Specifically, like Blue Mountain Dew. The oh, voltage. The, the Baja Blast. Yeah. Well, the Baja Blast. That's yeah. But I'm talking about the Voltage. Ooh. Tastes like a blue gummy bear, man. Wow. A sour gum, sour patch kid. Blue sour patch kid. Wow. Yeah, that's good stuff. I might abandon coffee for that. You should try it. Sounds amazing. It, it'll kill you, man. It'll <laughs> knock your socks off. <laughs> Quicker to glory. That's right. That's what's all I care about, man. That's all I care about. Man, thanks for joining us for another episode of Hidden God. Sorry it was a couple weeks here, but uh, we're excited to get back in the saddle. Join us again next time. We're going to have at least one more episode from Mere Christianity and dialoguing through this book together, and then we'll probably start a new series. So look Mm -hmm. forward to doing that. Also, if you haven't uh, checked out our new website for Tulsa Bible Church, go to tulsabible.org. Got a brand new website going with links not only to this podcast, but also to a youth podcast and soon to be coming a sermon podcast. So hope you guys will uh, have a great weekend. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time.